630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Bob Murray has tendered his resignation as general manager of the Anaheim Ducks. The owners of the Ducks, Henry and Susan Samueli, uh, Samueli, wrote in a statement today, first and foremost, we apologize on behalf of the organization to anyone affected by misconduct from Bob. We expect every member of our organization to be treated with respect and will not stand for abuse of any kind. Bob tendered his resignation this morning while also informing us of his decision to enter an alcohol abuse program. While we do not condone his conduct, we fully support his efforts to improve his physical and mental health by asking for help. Of course, yesterday, Murray was placed on administrative leave by the Ducks. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Oilers tomorrow at Boston. 3.30 face-off show, game at 5 here on 6.30, Chad. Elks, Saturday afternoon, 12.30 countdown to kickoff. Kickoff at 2 as they start their odyssey against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Going on the road with the Elks. Play-by-play voice, Morley Scott. Morley, how are you doing? I'm good, Reed. How are you? I'm doing very well. I want to ask you something before we talk about the football and your road trip. Yeah. We got the Canadian soccer matches coming up Friday and Tuesday at Commonwealth Stadium. What is the most memorable or biggest international sporting event you have ever attended? Uh, uh, 1972, I went to the uh, the Canada-Russia game at Maple Leaf Gardens in the, uh, oh, wow. in the Summit Series. Um, I'm was trying that... to think. That, like, that was the original, right? Way back when. Yes. Who, I'm trying to remember who. It was uh, yeah, Russia won that time, one, right? I believe, as I recall. And, and I sat at Maple Leaf Gardens with uh, cinder blocks against my back. We were in the very last row. Um, wow. I'm trying to think uh, anything so else. Your dad uh, took you? Uh, actually, I went with my uncle. My dad wasn't much of a hockey fan, so uh, I, uh, I went and up, ended up going with my uncle, who got tickets from his from his office or something like that, as I recall. So, so game two, Toronto. No, Canada won that one four one, according to the. Oh yeah, okay. That's that's a long time ago, man. I'm Canada... pretty foggy. Well, it's okay. Well, they probably felt like they were. Uh, and then the next game was a tie, and then the the final they game got in, blasted in, Vancouver. in Vancouver, right? Yeah, so it was two. It was two. It was two one for the Soviets with one tie going back to Moscow. Well, that is pretty significant, though, just to be able to say you attended a game in that I, series. I also, I also was at, uh, I also was at uh, when Universiad was here. I was at the uh, the Canada basketball game when they beat the U.S. when they beat Charles Barkley and company. Charles Barkley, that's right. He yeah. was, um, who Gerald else was Dawkins, on that I think, was on that team too. So I was there for that. Um, did Canada win gold, or was that? Yeah, uh, a yeah, they semi? did. No, that was in the United I, States well, got bronze. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. They ended up winning the gold medal. Eli Pasquale, I believe, was the one of the front runners on that team. That was a long time That's ago, right, too. That's right, but that, that, was, uh, that was Barclay. Now, were you covering that, or were you as a fan? I was, yeah, no, I was covering it. I was actually, uh, I was actually a, a volunteer reporter at uh, CJSR Radio at the University of Alberta at that time oh, in my no career. Way. So, That's so awesome. yeah, yeah. I got, uh, uh, well, there was like three of us, and we got free reign, uh, three of us covering it for the university station, and we got free reign to go wherever we wanted throughout the uh, whole university ad. So it was a lot of fun. The names I know from that roster, the U.S. team, Charles Barkley, you mentioned Johnny Dawkins, right? Uh, Carl Malone, Ed Pinckney, Kevin Willis, I think I vaguely remember. Yeah. So, uh, And then look go. at the names of the Canadian roster and go, how did they beat them? Yeah. <laughs> 
the the leading scorer was Jay Humphreys out of University of Colorado. I'd have to look up all of these. I'm sure I'm sure most of them were at least drafted in the NBA if they didn't wind up playing, but not all the names ring up. But obviously, Carl Malone and Barkley, two legendary yep. players. Interesting stuff. Okay. Uh, yeah, Johnny Dawkins out of Duke. Well, that's fun. That's a fun story, as as opposed to Jack, who just got m- mad at me during the segment, which is typical. Uh, anyway, no, I'm joking. I'm just giving Jack a hard time. So what's this is this must be now you used to do uh oilers color commentary so you had long road trips there certainly covering the double e this must be unprecedented absolutely absolutely unprecedented it happened back in the 50s uh where they had uh, had a long road trip uh, like this uh, it wasn't actually a road trip back in the 50s it was just uh, three games in about eight days i think it was uh, back then so uh, it's happened before but not in not in modern times not in modern times at all i mean this is unprecedented uh the the physical play of football is so much i think at so much uh, of another level than it was back then that that it really takes its toll on players and that's why they only play once a week on on average right in in, in all football whether it be the NFL, the CFL, you know, college, whatever. So it, it is it is unprecedented to play three games in seven days. But uh, part of it is, uh, obviously, it's because of the COVID situation back in August. And the, and the players want to get paid for that game, right? So both the Argos and uh, the Elks team voted in favor of playing this game in the middle of these other games. So uh, they're going to go ahead and, and play it. And it, it's, it ends up being three games in seven nights, which is uh, just a, an incredible uh, strain, I think, uh, on the players, obviously, but also on the coaching staff to get game plans and prep together on the trainers to make sure all the equipment gets moved around and gets in place where that where it needs to be uh, on everybody involved with the with the team it's going to be very difficult it's going to be a very difficult week for sure i've seen the injury report i heard brendan escott talking about it it sounds like we're going to learn some new names on saturday and in the yeah two subsequent I, I, games. I think there'll be there'll be some new names uh, or some not necessarily new names but some guys who have been around uh but haven't played a lot uh, especially in the receiving core because uh, the elks will be without it looks like their top three receivers and greg ellingson darrell walker and mike jones got injured last week uh, the first two missed the game last week jones got injured in the game last week and uh, that was a, an awful looking knee injury and it looks like he'll be out long term so uh, the elks offense and still no james wilder jr uh Lim- today and didn't see much of him uh, near the end of practice uh, same thing with walker so i don't i i don't think that any of those guys are going to be in the lineup so pretty much your top four weapons offensively will not be playing in the game on saturday and if you miss saturday it's it's only three days later you play again so there's not a lot more time to get ready to play so i uh, i don't know if we'll see those guys uh, in the first two games on this trip maybe we won't see them again uh, the rest of this season we'll have to wait and see all right, yeah, tough finish here for the Elks. Uh, tough finish to a tough season, obviously. What's what are you doing here? You're doing something a little special. What are these postcards you're working on? Well, I, I just thought I'd, I'd do something different because of the you know the situation with the team and and this being uh, an unprecedented trip. So I'm just going to snap a lot of photos and and uh, we're going to put them up on the website and on the 630 Chat Instagram page. Just some some behind the th- scenes things that that I see and just some pictures from from wherever I am, be it in in, in airports, restaurants, uh, hotels stadiums just walking out in the park whatever the case may be if i see something interesting i'm going to take a picture of it and uh, maybe a little explanation and we'll, and we'll put it up on the website so people can kind of get a look behind the curtain a bit and see what it's like to be a to be on the road for this long with a football team like like you said earlier it happens a lot with hockey teams it's no big deal for a hockey team to go out in a three-game road trip but it's a really big deal for a football team to do it are you packed 
I haven't yet, actually. My flight's at noon tomorrow, so I'll probably pack in the morning. But I, uh, I have made sure that uh, some some clothing gets uh, gets laundered this week, and it's ready to pack <laughs> tomorrow. So I will uh, I will be uh, jamming everything in the suitcase uh, in the duffel bag tomorrow uh, to leave. It's different because it's weird because Regina's going to be cold. Uh, Toronto's going to be iffy, and then you're going to Vancouver where it could be warm or it could be raining. You don't know. So you got to pack. Uh, we got to pack all sorts of things for this trip. Well, as long I'll as you're laundering, cl- long as you're laundering clothes and not money, just keep it, keep it that way. Uh, indeed, fine. in the right side of the law, my friend, got to stay on the right side of the law. Well, uh, have a good trip, have a good broadcast. Of course, we'll see how it goes here for the Elks. Three games in seven days, starting on Saturday. I'm sure we'll talk to you while you're on the road, Morley. Appreciate you checking in. Always, uh, always available for you to read anytime, and always nice to hear your voice. That is the one and only Morley Scott, play-by-play voice of the Edmonton Elks here on uh, 630 Chet, who are obviously uh, playing out the string. And I, I didn't really get to see a lot of their game on uh, Friday because I was covering the Oilers-Rangers game. I mean, the Elks did make a, a rally in the fourth quarter, but as, as usual, they were coming from behind and lost by two points to Saskatchewan. Um, you know, I, as I've said a few times, for me now with the Elks, the playoffs are... I mean, I mean, even before they were mathematically eliminated, the playoffs were pretty much out of the question. So I, I, I'm looking at individuals who might be talented enough that you hope they can stick around for next year. And then once the season is over, what might we see for uh, for changes in the front office and with the coaching staff? I think that's going to be a significant story as well. 7-15. Uh, we've been talking about Mexico because Canada plays them in soccer. And, you know, Brazil is a soccer powerhouse. Mexico and Brazil curling? What are you talking about? Well, you'll find out. Or this coach Dave Tippett. Looking for the team to bounce back from last night's loss? Well, we, we know we can play better than we did last night. We didn't start the game very well, and, uh, you know, we put a little push at the end. But coming on this trip, this is an important trip for us. we got to uh, find a way to find some points. And uh, more than that is if you play the right way, we can we can find ways to win. And when we, uh, when we don't start very well, get behind the eight ball is not a recipe for for uh, winning on the road. So we'll, uh, you know, we've been pretty good the first periods this year. Um, last game just wasn't, uh, we made some, I think there are just errors you can't make going on starting a trip on the road. So made some of those errors. If we can take some of those out, we'll uh, we'll start better and we'll see where it goes. At Boston tomorrow, 3.30 face-off show here on 6.30. Chad, the game will start at 5. Want to take you to the pebbled ice here quickly. Reigning Briar champion skip Brendan Botcher, Edmonton's own, is on the line. Brendan, how are you doing, buddy? I'm good. Thanks, Reed. Well, it's always great to talk to you, and I know you're incredibly busy at this time of year, and you got a big event coming up, which I want to talk to you about. But you did something a couple of weeks ago that I had no idea you or any Canadian team would ever do. Why were you playing matches against Mexico and Brazil in curling? <laughs> so uh, that's an event that's been around for a while, um, and it only pops up when the World Championship is down in the States. So because the States are the home team, they get a team directly in, um, and Canada, in theory, has to win the rest of the Americas 
to get that second team from the Americas into the World Championship. So there have been years where Canada has been unchallenged and we've just had a direct entry. And there have been years where Canada's had to play. Um, and I think it's great. So I think it's great that there's other associations like Mexico and Brazil that are putting together teams that are trying to grow the sport. That's awesome for us moving forward. Um, at the flip side, it was good practice for us. It got us out playing some reasonably competitive games and in a low pressure, but still kind of high pressure situation. There was definitely some pressure there for us to take care of business. Um, and it's always nice to put the maple leaf on your back. And it was an opportunity to do that. So uh, it was an interesting weekend. We, we took care of business as we needed to. And I was definitely happy we could qualify Canada for the world championship. So how competitive were those nations, which I certainly do not associate with curling, and I'm sure many people listening wouldn't either. How competitive were they? Well, they're they're both pretty new in their development of curling. Um, so I don't believe, and I could be corrected on this, but I don't think they have dedicated ice in either of those countries. I think they have arena hockey ice that's rented out a few times a week to their curling association. So really the quality of what they're able to play on and practice on is, is quite low. Um, both of the teams were comprised of expats from both of those countries. So all the athletes actually lived either in the States or in Canada. They just happened to hold passports from the country they were representing. It's quite common in sport, um, but that was how both of these two teams were formed. So uh, the Brazil team, um, I think three quarters of them were from Quebec. Uh, so they would have access to reasonably good practice ice in Quebec and, you know, as much competition as they want. Um, and they were definitely uh, coming there looking to see if they could push Canada a little bit. I think that's always the goal of some of these associations. You know, if they could ever beat Canada, it would be the Super Bowl. So it's a little tough on the dynamic uh, when we're going into games expecting to win, expecting to do well. Um, and you have a team on the other side that if they could ever beat you, that would that would make their career. Interesting stuff. Okay, so you, you did what you needed to do there. Now, coming up next Saturday, one of, and I know there are a lot of them, but one of the highest pressure events in curling. Obviously, I, I watched the Briar. I've watched Worlds. Those are so tense. But there is something about the Olympic trials, Brendan. <laughs> you know, these great Canadian teams fighting to represent Canada, not not just on the world stage, on, on the Olympic stage. You played in them in 2017. Does it feel differently to you than some of the other events you've been in? For sure. Um, I think like a lot of sports, the Olympics is kind of the pinnacle. And then on top of that, it's once every four years. So you look in your whole career in curling and you might have a, a reasonable chance where you're playing uh, your absolute best. and you might only get a couple of those cracks in your whole career. And um, I think that dynamic is a little unique and that's why you see that extra little bit of pressure out there. Um, you know, there's there's always another briar next year <laughs> as, as we learned uh, more than most, you know, um, and losing the trials or having a subpar performance, you've got to sit on that for four years and you've got to stew on that and you've got to try and get up again four years from now and, and try and be a little bit better. So I think that's why you see that extra bit of pressure. I'm expecting this year to be, to be the same. The quality of curling should be just outstanding. 
Uh, when will you guys head out there? We head out next Thursday, um, and then we have some practice on Friday, and then we kick it off on Saturday. So it's all going to come up pretty quick. Okay. Well, it, it's going to be awesome watching you guys in that, uh, just looking over the, the field. I mean, it's pretty much a who's who of, <laughs> of Canadian curling, but I, I know you're used to facing the highest caliber competition uh, week after week throughout the year. So we wish you all the best, Brendan. Of course, we'll be talking to you after, and go get it, man. Yeah, that's awesome. Thanks, Reed. Reigning Briar champ, Brendan Botcher, checking in on Inside Sports. Okay, what's it like to play before 50,000 fans at Commonwealth Stadium for your country in a soccer match? The current Canadian team is going to live that coming up Friday and Tuesday. Craig Forrest lived that when he was the goalkeeper for the Canadian team. He is up next. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.